Did you hear about that, Josh? Are you talking about your um, Star Wars D&D esque yeah. Star Wars thing? Yeah. Oh, no, I did not. So the last one we went to, Leslie set up a box of death. And because I'm the tank character, I have the most health as a character and all that. And her box of death um, included shocking us. But I was the one who took all of the shocks because I had enough health to take the damage from the shocks. Mm -hmm. Literally shocking us, by the way. Um, She built something physical that would interact with you as a person. Yeah, these contraptions. She's like, here, you got this thing. So we're all looking at this physical thing. It's a box with tabs on it. And I think I went to pull one of the tabs, and I was like, ah, what the fuck? And then everyone's looking at me like, oh, come on, quit quit joking. I'm like, seriously, something is in there. And then he just went ahead and just pulled all the tabs and just kept getting <laughs> no, no, shocked. No, no, no. <laughs> we, we, we figured out what we had to do in order to beat it first. And it was one of the tabs doesn't shock you and has, you know, something will happen if you pull the correct tab. And there was eight of them. I think I pulled six before I actually got the correct one. <laughs> so she like built like an eighth grade science project and brought well, it to the Okay, lady. so what she used was the prank gum packs yeah. that where you can give somebody a piece of gum okay. and it shocks them when they try to pull it out. It like looks like a piece of gum you're trying to hand them and it I've never seen these, but you okay. pull on it and it and it has a pretty good jolt on it. Surprisingly for this little tiny pack of gum contraption that's meant to be a prank is it 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 has a pretty good kick is it a one-time use only like one or no uh, just until the whatever charge or thing inside it battery it's batteries it takes it just delivering a battery charge right into your (laughs) index finger and thumb and so i started pulling on them i'm like why (laughs) and then she started shooting us with nerf guns at the end of it (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was like, okay, she's going to aim for the body. You know, she no no aiming for the face, anything like that. Where do I get hit? Right between my eyes. Like, literally, if she had been an inch, one left or right, she could have taken my eye out. Because this thing was a pretty powerful Nerf gun. What? And it was point, point blank, blank range. Ac- across the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, we're across a small table. Come on, Josh. Next time you can make a character, just join our campaign. Oh, you, you can then, too, also get shot by Nerf darts. Uh, right. Yeah. And just electrocuted by my friends. Welcome to another episode of Bright Guy and his Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is a man who is still in search of a new nickname. But until we come up with something better, he'll continue to be Mr. Movie Slut, Josh Zorch. It's at least feeling really good to be back. I think I looked at the recording dates on my last episode, and it was like the beginning of February. Yeah, I think like right before Valentine's Day, like 10th or something-ish. I believe so. Somewhere around there. by, By a man by any name, I am happy... To be to be back today, <laughs> and uh, we also have a man who is fresh off of entertaining Twitch for twelve hours. It's Tyrannus himself, Mike Bradley. Yeah, that was a long day, but I'm <laughs> glad to be here for our first quarantine episode. Yeah, uh, this is we're coming to you from quarantine in the future when we listen to this again someday. 
This is the quarantine episode. Yeah. Yeah, nice little time capsule for what the hell's been going on right now. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah, like we talked about, it's been like what eight weeks ish or something. Yeah. If if we had thought, oh, of life this, got turned upside down. Yeah. If yeah. if we had thought of this before anything happened, if we had come up with Super Friends colon quarantine, <laughs> that would have sounded badass way before. But now, just yeah. we're piggybacking. <laughs> we totally could have parlayed this into more more solid listeners had we been on it like day one of quarantine been like we're gonna be super friends quarantine we're gonna record every day and we're gonna give brian hours and hours of work to edit every day yeah and uh it could have been something that still only a few people would listen to but they would have something in some form of entertainment well, you'd like to hope uh, that, like, even the people that have, you know, stuck inside and are like, I just need stuff to listen to or watch, that this this has been out there for years. Like, someone New content. <laughs> hey, it's, it's good content. It's new content. And that's the important thing, is give people something to do during these crazy, crazy times that we're currently yeah. living in. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Because I'm not sure if we missed it or not, because I, I did try to go back to find the release date but um, since we moved platforms, uh, they weren't all available on iTunes anymore. But um, either last month, Brian, it was either in February or March, was when we recorded the very first episode. So, oh, uh, yeah, I want to say it was March, sometime in March. So, happy five year anniversary. Jesus Christ, it has been that to long. To the show. Oh, yeah. And kudos to you for being the driver and willingness. <laughs> Moving on. It is, to deal with our shit. It is not something that's easy to do for even a couple of months, let alone half a decade, sir. So Yeah, good quite job. honestly, I'm surprised I've stuck with it this long. So I'm not. It's the longest relationship I've ever had. <laughs> oh, man. <That's> <laughs> self-burn. Yeah, because we're pushing 200 episodes. We're getting there. We're at like 170-ish something, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's another reason we should just start burning a bunch of like fifteen to twenty minute episodes a couple times a week, just <laughs> pump the numbers up. Yeah, then I'm gonna try to think of something to do for two hundred, and I haven't got there yet. And, and then we'll still be in quarantine when we hit two hundred. Then, oh god, yeah, we'll have chances to, are, yeah, the way things are going. And then, and then our it, like in person get together won't happen for two hundred because we'll be like, ah, we're quarantined. I don't think were we in person mm. for one fifty. I don't think we were. Well, we did. Don't you remember that debacle where two people's microphones didn't record? Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> that was horrible. That was horrible. <laughs> we did hours and hours and hours. God damn it. And then it was Mike and Leslie, wasn't it? Yeah. That their microphones were off or something was wrong. They were, they were inadvertently muted, and I was I even tested and wondered why I couldn't hear them. And I was like, no, you know what? We're fine. I think it's fine. And then I didn't realize until after I played it back that I was like, nope, in fact, they were not recording. It was not on. That's what, that's what happens when I don't use the freaking mixer ever and try to have to figure it out every time I pull it out. Yeah. And that that was a solid few hours. Yeah. Uh, but hey, that we talked and then lesson, realized that afterwards. Lesson learned, though. So. Yeah. To, oh, yeah. I'll never learned. do that again. That's for sure. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, we're, we're fully testing everything. If something's not right, we're testing it until it's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah, like we talked, it's been two months-ish or so 
since we did this, so we missed a bunch of stuff. Um, I mean, just from my perspective, I think I'm trying to make a conscious effort to try to keep the episodes a little bit shorter than our two to three hour extravaganzas that we've done. I think the last couple have been pretty long because we were doing list episodes, which are, are never short. Yeah, um, well, that's... Yeah, and they will, if we ever do list episodes, they will probably still be that long, but hopefully going forward regularly, we can try to do a little bit shorter. Hopefully we can get more out that way. Um, so whether or not they actually end up being an hour, because every time I plan it, we end up going long anyway. But mm-hmm. well, with that in mind, we're trying trying it out. So I only have two things lined up today. So one of the big things that hit the internet right after our last episode, mid-February, um, Matt Reeves revealed some stuff for his Batman movie. So we got a screen test with Robert Pattinson in the suit for Batman, and he showed us pictures of what the Batmobile is going to look like. Um, and the second thing we're going to talk about is uh, basically the as much as we know of the updated movie release schedule uh, amidst all these closures and postponing and delays, uh, you know, during the apocalypse here. <laughs> so starting with the Batman. So we've talked about this movie in the past from the uncertain future of Ben Affleck as Batman following Justice League. We didn't know if he was going to come back. There was always talk about a solo Batman movie happening matt reeves was attached at the time i think affleck was supposed to be uh coming back um that turned out to not be the case affleck is done reeves then announced that robert pattinson would be his batman um we've been getting casting announcements since then so if you've forgotten this is the best refresher i've got for you uh zoe kravitz is cast as selena kyle catwoman paul dano as edward nashton who I think we're presuming is Edward Nigma, like the Riddler. I don't know why it's They said he was going to be the Riddler. Okay. Just because Edward Nigma, I think he's trying to go like the realism route, and Edward Nigma's just a really ridiculous comic booky name, and he's trying to... And, you know, we haven't seen the movie, so there's a chance that Nashton turns into Nigma. Yeah, it could just be a, a starts su- that way. pseudonym the character uses, so people don't know who he really is at first. Right. Um, we have Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. Andy Serkis is Alfred, John Turturro as Karma and Falcone, um, Peter Sarsgaard. Uh, I think IMDb lists him as a character name, but Reeves' tweet did not include a character name. It just included him as part of the cast. So I'm not going to mention the character <laughs> name in case that is some sort of reveal or something later on. Oh, because I haven't seen it. I, it's a, it, I looked at the name. The name is, I don't I recognize the character. Yeah, I'm looking at it so, the same thing right now. Uh, it's, it doesn't. I don't, I don't think it'd be a spoiler because it doesn't right. mean anything to me. But I'm just letting it go. If you want to see it, it's on IMDb. I'm not going to mention it here. Um, I'm checking it out now. And Colin Farrell as Oz, which again, I'm just going off of everything Matt Reeves tweeted. So he just called Colin Farrell Oz, which I think we can also assume is Oswald Cobblepot, which would be the Penguin. Um, and he's got his buddy, Michael Giacchino, scoring the movie. So I think that is a very, very impressive cast list for this movie. And a lot of those I think we've covered before in past episodes when they were announced. Um, but anything you guys want to bring up to reiterate or talk about here with just the cast? Um, we, we never really talked about Colin Farrell. Um, okay, maybe that's one we missed. That's the Penguin. Um, because I feel like that's a very strange uh, choice for the Penguin. Because he doesn't fit, like, the physical stereotype for the Penguin at all. I mean, I know they were originally supposedly looking at Jonah Hill, which would make more sense physically as the Penguin. Um, Especially when you consider the last Penguin we had on 
in a movie was Danny DeVito. Um, did either of you watch Gotham? I I did not, but I stuck it out through. The I first watched some season of it, there, and then I bailed yeah. because very, I did not like it. Same thing is there's a very non physically uh, intuitive, rotund, uh, yeah, actor who who played the character on that. So uh, I, I mean, it sounds like none of us have insight on it, but I would wonder how it came off on, on that show as well. He was okay. But I didn't yeah, mind I mean, it's, him. Colin Farrell's altogether different from that. Okay. I don't like. I don't know what to make of Colin Farrell as the Penguin because I never would have thought they would cast him mm-hmm. as the Penguin. Well, I guess we don't really know if he's like how much they're leaning into the comic books. Like, yeah, comic book iteration of the Penguin is the the short little round guy with the cane and umbrella and or with the umbrella and the hat and everything and the monocle. I don't think we're gonna get that version of the Penguin here. Um, no. Gotham was more about like just the like it was he had a like uh interesting walk like he he couldn't walk correctly and that was sort of how he yeah. got the nickname. So I could see them doing something like that more more realish in that well, way. It, it wasn't it, um like the Telltale series too didn't yeah, go that route with that, the penguin. Yeah, that wasn't a big fat guy either or a little fat guy. Yeah. That was just a skinny guy with issues. So it like to me it seems like I look at the cast and I'm like boy. I could really see it flopped where, like, on IMDb, you see, like, in order, Andy Serkis and Colin Farrell are, like, one or, like, three and four in the cast list. And I'm like, boy, if you flip those two and you had Colin Farrell as Alfred and Andy Serkis as the Penguin, hmm. that makes more sense to me. But I could actually yeah. buy that. I mean, yeah. I, I'm interested to see where this goes, though. Um, that has, like, Paul Dano is the Riddler. We talked about how much I'm excited to see that. Um, Jeffrey Wright confirmed as Gordon. Jeffrey Wright's fucking awesome, uh, so I can't wait to see that. John Turturro's Carmine Falcone, I don't think we mentioned before. I don't think we talked about that, but okay. I feel like that's a fantastic choice as well. Um, I think it's a good choice. Turturro never really lets you down. But I, I wonder what... I am shocked that going from the... Nolan trilogy into the reboots of what they tried to do with the DC extended universe that they would immediately go into a movie that had such a like ensemble villain cast because that has in my opinion that has always been the kryptonite no pun intended of DC movies they always overshoot and they always jump the shark and that like once they put in two three us like they go beyond two villains, especially every time they do that, it just it becomes too much. So I don't. True. I I don't think I. Hopefully they've learned their lesson, and I'm maybe not expecting that to happen again. I'm just shocked that they would go that route. I may have mentioned well, it before, but I I will bet money that every one of these villains are not like messing with Batman in this movie. Yeah, they're there, but they're not. I think this is definitely a plan for a trilogy. I think you're going to get maybe one villain in this one, and these people are in the movie mm-hmm. to be used later. Can I also throw out a little theory I have looking at the IMDb page? Because yep. if you see on the IMDb page, Max and Charlie Carver are both listed uh, hmm. in this movie. And if I'm not mistaken, those guys are twins, aren't they? Looks to be. 
um, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, perhaps. Hmm. Um. For us, I mean, they could just be nothing particular, but they could be. Like I see twins in in Batman. The only thing I come up with off the top of my head is Mad Hatter with Tweedledee and Tweedledum. And so you think there could just be maybe a like, Mad Hatter in there somewhere too that's not been well, announced or something? I, I, I've maintained from the start, I think this is going to be Calendar Man. That I think that's why we're seeing a lot of these villains all popping up is they're going to be there. They're going to have brief stints mm-hmm. where you get like to know them in Arkham. That's is, and that Calendar Man is the actual villain focus that they're hiding that because they don't want to spoil. Yeah, that lines up with something that was reiterated. I think again, I think it was on Fat Man Beyond. They were talking about uh, the Batmobile reveal as well. Like we're going to discuss in a moment. And around that, someone in the audience or something said, "I it really feels like this is they're they're backdooring the Long Halloween story." And this is basically an adaptation of the Long Halloween without calling it that. Yeah, and, right. And that's that is where Calendar Man comes from. Um, I'm not going right. to discuss. I have read that book. Uh, it was a like a one shot graphic novel. Um, I'm not going to discuss the plot because if it is where they're going, um, listeners will be very entertained. So I'm not going to tell you what it's about because the surprise will Between, be great. Yeah, both of you guys mentioning the the villain of that story and that story. If we are right. It's it's on record. That's good enough for me. Yeah. And, oh, and, yeah. If if this is Calendar Man and this is the Long Halloween story, fucking a. I've been hoping they would go that route for some time. And I'm all I'm and, hoping if that is the if that if that is what they've decided to do that um even in like a reformed way because like in like Sarah and I just rewatched uh the Nolan trilogy in the last week and. They borrowed little bits and pieces from, like, Dark Knight Returns and put, like, lines or reveal moments or reshaped sequences so that they could kind of recreate some some fun moments from that story uh, th- right. throughout the trilogy. And they could definitely do that sort of same thing with Long Halloween. You know, it might not be just an exact... It'll be like an adaptation, maybe, but, you know, borrowing elements to tell a story, but not just doing the Long Halloween um, yeah. Regardless of how they go, if Calendar Man is the the main antagonist driver, I hope it ends up being. This is me personally. I hope it ends up being a big name, but they have somehow kept quiet and will keep quiet the entire time, like akin to like the Johnny Depp reveal in the Crimes of Grindelwald series, where. Like, nobody knew he had any involvement with it. They make the whole movie. They purposely leave the publicity out so that if you get an identity reveal for Calendar Man, which if... I don't... Mike, do you recall in the story, do you get... Like, has he ever, quote, unmasked? Because I don't think... The character from what I remember... He's always unmasked. Is he? Okay, I... I it's He never has a mask. He does? Okay. I, I, I read this, like, seven, eight years ago, so I don't recall. Um, so if that's the case, then, like, maybe... Maybe there's misdirection the whole time, and maybe there's, like, it's one of those things that toward the end of the third act, you get the reveal of, like, Calendar Man's been pulling the strings the whole time, and here's how it all connects and whatever. And at that moment, you get the, like, actor or actress reveal of who it actually is. That's what I'm hoping for. The misdirection for. was they actually signed Jonah Hill to begin with. Maybe. 
Maybe that'd be that'd be <laughs> really it was cool. all it was all a publicity misdirection to make him Calendar Man. Yeah, um, if, if it ends up going the long Halloween ish Calendar Man route in some like that's I think at the moment how I would in, I know I would enjoy um, them treating it in that way. But of course, there I'm sure there's many different ways they could go to to, to give me something enjoyable. Yeah, it's so much yeah. harder in this day and age to do surprises like that. So I always appreciate when people pull it off. Yeah, like. You know, the Mandalorian, the first episode of the Mandalorian with, you know, Baby Yoda. That was a big fucking, like, holy shit. Like, like how yeah, did wait, no one know about this? And especially for Star Wars fans. Like, for anybody that's just a casual Star Wars fan doesn't pay any attention, they're like, oh, whatever, it's a it's a Baby Yoda. Look at how cute it is. And for Star Wars fans, we're like, holy fucking shit, those aren't supposed to exist. <laughs> yeah. And they kept it from us. Um, and And for me, something like... Calendar Man get, would get me really excited because one, it would give somebody a clean slate character. Yes, you have no which, prior impression of it. Right, you're going to introduce this character in this story to an entire audience that has no preconceived notions about it for the most part. You have a lot of people like us that have read The Long Halloween, and then you have the general majority of people that have never even heard of it, and. You give this open opportunity to somebody to take this character and perform it for the first time. Mm -hmm. Which with Batman is kind of like almost impossible with villains that people would want to see at this point. You know, I didn't realize till just now that you said that, um, like I said, I was rewatching the Nolan trilogy. Um, not, not that I, he wasn't a really good actor anyway, but maybe that's also why Cillian Murphy's portrayal of the Scarecrow sticks with me for so long and like i i think it is so good because you didn't have especially a cinematic version of that character and and obviously like even the until then right and, yeah. and even on like the batman animated series you had a very cartoony literal yeah. translation of the scarecrow on there um so he kind of invented the character he gave you the impression he wrote it he originated it you know, and that that mm -hmm. that is always going to stick with you. So yeah, this could definitely go the same route. Yeah, and, and that's that's how I want to hope that it's going to happen. Now, we'll see what happens with it. Of course, um, if that's the route they go. If it's not the route they go, uh, the only other one that I think is out there that people really want that has not happened that I've seen minimal rumors about is the court of owls mm. um and that's the same kind of thing gives a chance for something like that to happen and i think that's also potential here and why you may see edward nashton and oswald cobblepot as colin farrell they're just normal people but they're within the court of owls in this story or something um you know, it, it could be something along those lines. I don't know. It's all conjecture. It's just yeah, guessing. We, we have no idea. Other than the little stuff they're teasing. I don't know how soon. I mean, they were in the middle of production and then they had to shut down, which we'll get to later. So I can't expect a trailer anytime soon. Right. No. Yeah. With what, what's happened in the world, everything is kind of on hold. I don't think anybody's really producing any movies right now. Yeah. I think they're all pretty much just like waiting this out. So everything's going to be pushed back a while that isn't already finished. And even stuff that is, is being pushed back because of all the other problems. Like you said, we're going to talk about later. Yeah. 
Um, oh. So I'm going to talk about, I'm going to steer us into what we do have. What yeah. we do have is the uh, reveal of the bat suit. Um, this is something Reeves himself tweeted uh, January 27th. Or no, so I'm, I'm sorry. January 27th, he tweeted that they started shooting. On February 13th, he tweeted the test camera footage of Robert Pattinson in the bat suit. Um, I'm going to put Mike on the spot here because I think he's the one that's been the most vocal about how weary he is of Pattinson as Batman. So we're going to follow up with him. Did the screen test change your opinion at all? You know, I've come around on Pattinson as Batman. Okay. Um, is that because what? of the screen test or outside of the screen test? It is in spite of the screen test. And that, is, and that has actually nothing to do with Pattinson. I think this, like, the cowl looks dumb. I think the cowl looks bad, personally. I don't like the way... It, it looks bulbous or something on the head. It looks daredevilish. Um, no, I didn't Batman. see daredevilish until you just said that. I, could, um, I, I see that now. It, and it, The cowl doesn't feel like Batman to me, and I feel like that's... I hope that that's like an attachment or something. I hope that it's not like the cow that they're going to... I hope that's not the final product. I hope they can do something else with it. It doesn't... I know there's, like I, there's, there's been like, uh, you know, like paparazzi pictures taken, which I, I think I've glanced at. I don't know if it makes it look any better, really. No. If like if that... It, it doesn't. I feel like what it is in the in the camera test, that's what we're getting. Yeah, and that's what my fear is, is that, it, like, I'm not going to be able to look at that and be like, ooh, Batman. I'm going to look at it and be like, what did they do to Batman? I feel like the one that gets me is, like, it looks like the suit has a collar in the back. Which I have to look at that again now. That throws me off. Which kind of makes sense, I guess, like, if, if you're thinking of, like, an armor perspective, maybe it's something to sort of just shield the back of his neck. But it still looks weird to me. I don't think there's any other suits that have really had a collar maybe yeah, yeah maybe that, that's definitely a collar. maybe the cape because the way i'm looking at it is like maybe that's part of the cape and maybe the way it's constructed it is more like the cape was you know as a last piece added on to his shoulders as opposed to being integrated into the whole thing right. in the way that nolan's bat suit was right um it also, given the car, well, the car doesn't fit as much in with it, really. So maybe I'll pull that back immediately. I was going to say, if if the story is set more in, like, a noir type of, like, uh, nondescript but general older time, you know, then maybe this approach or this look to a suit like this would not seem out of place and it might fit better. So the second you said that, it sort of made sense to me a little bit because I feel like um, that 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 tone is what I feel like what I've heard mm -hmm. for that movie is that it's like a detective noir type of style or tone to it. Um, but I know there's like versions of a noir Batman out there, which I'm pretty sure that Batman that suit I think has a collar. So if mm -hmm. they're going for that tone, then that might work. Like it's it's sort of an homage to to the this not the source material but like the style they're going for. If the noir Batman has a collar in the suit, then they're trying to incorporate that in the suit design. Perhaps and I'm trying to Google noir Batman suits. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that the quick search I did for noir Batman has him wearing like a trench coat. Yeah, I feel like I've 
Well, yeah, maybe I'm. Yeah, you're right. That's the one I'm looking at. But I guess I guess the trench coat has a bit of a collar, so maybe if they don't want to go full coat, they just sort of incorporate the collar to the suit. Yeah, perhaps. Because when I think of that, and I mean, it's, it's definitely it's different on purpose. But the, you know, Nicholas Cage's noir Spider-Man from Spider-Verse, that's immediately what comes to mind. Oh yeah. So if you okay. want to avoid two, uh, you know, literally copying copying the look or the outfit too much, like you don't go actual direct trench coat type because that right is exactly how they did it for that version of Spider-Man. Right. What do you guys think of um, uh, this uh, theory that I heard that I kind of dig that the uh, bat emblem on the chest plate is made of the gun that was that killed his parents? Have you heard that? I feel like it's. I've heard that. Yeah, depending on if it's. Tr- I mean, the you know that idea to me is. It like equal parts badass and equal parts like what the fuck? <laughs> like why? Yeah. Why would he? How would he? How would he find the gun? Like what would? I don't know. Well, I mean, if if, if he was Batman at the time his parents there. got killed, I could see him being able to track down the gun. But that would have been like years ago. His parents were killed when he was a kid. So how does he find that specific gun? Well, if Joe Chill is arrested, it's not out of the question that they might find a weapon on him or in the place he lives or you know, etc. And so that in that case, it would be in police custody and he has to break into police like Gotham PD to take the gun to then break it apart and use it for pieces. Is that out of the realm of possibility? I, I mean, I guess it depends how much Batman really wants that weapon. I can't see him breaking. Well, well it also depends if, if he's breaking into PD evidence. He's he's the heir to a wealthy family. So after the trial and or after if, if this follows the same kind of logic after Joe Chill is then killed by the mob, et cetera, whatever, to silence him, blah, 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 then is 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 a thing, like, I, I don't know what happens to weapons that are used in crimes once the person is sent to court, once they're convicted, once they are executed, once they die, et cetera, et cetera. So is it possible that given his resources, he, you know, goes through you know, 15 years later goes through tracking it down through collectors and sellers and et cetera, et cetera, whatever happens. I, I, I don't think it's, the idea to me is not ridiculous that he could somehow obtain it. I, that would not pull me out. Yeah. I think, I think I was thinking more of the, the, the Batman side of it, but the way you're talking now got me thinking more of like the Bruce Wayne aspect. If Bruce Wayne Mm -hmm. wants the weapon, he could make a sizable donation to GCPD to just, for nostalgic sake or whatever, buy the the weapon from I I could buy that I think a little bit more anything like that. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure they hold those over for evidence though. Right, but is it- a murder weapon I feel like is is tucked into evidence permanently until things are completely solved. Well, that's sort of what Josh is saying is like if by that by the you know Joe Chill the murderer of the Waynes is shortly convicted. after he is arrested is then killed right. Like, in jail or something. So by the time Bruce Wayne grows up, where he has the resources to buy that stuff as an adult, it would be 10 to 15 years after all that's over. I think either side could... Still... I, I, I'd be okay with it. It would. I wouldn't see it But, yeah, going... It's it's a theory, though, as well. It's it's not confirmed that, that, that that's what that is. Which, um, I, I still side with Brian on that, where I hope it's not. Okay. It's a It's an interesting idea, 
but it's also something where I'm like, it's unnecessary. I part of it's like a little sadistic, but I kind of dig that, and I think that's what makes it badass to me. Is like just I think it's I, I don't it's know the, like the balls on this guy to to do that. Yeah, permanent permanently integrating the talisman and the reminder of why he's doing what he's doing into the very suit that he's wearing to do it. In the way you just phrased it there, I'm on board. I, I hadn't thought about it as like a talisman and, and that kind of thing. I'm with it now. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. Um, the the other thing I wanted to point out from the, the test video, and I think uh, Michael Giancchino, somebody asked him after the video came out, they tweeted at him and said like the, the music that is played in the video is that part of the Batman score? And he said, yes. Mm, okay. So presumably what we hear could be a snippet of what the Batman theme is going to be for this movie. Every time I've heard it, I don't know about you guys, but I cannot not hear the Imperial March from Star Wars. I'd have to go back and listen to it again because this was, again, like... Yeah, I'm going to have to open it again. Six, six so I'll give, you, I'll give you a couple of seconds to, to try. If you need the link, I can send you the, the link to the tweet where the video is. I can probably. Go I mean, I've, I've got it pulled up already. Yeah, definitely, immediately. All right, I think I can see what you're talking about. It's like there's like the main notes are being hit with some notes typically in between absent. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just omitting certain notes that I think are typically there in the Imperial March. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so yeah, I'm with if, you. And if that's the tone they're going for, I fucking love that. Like, imagine Batman walking into a dark room with the Imperial March behind him. I am for it. <laughs> that's fucking great. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I could see that. I could see that. I mean, Batman and Vader kind of have the same kind of vibe going on. You they know? both want to strike fear into their enemies by using that against them. Tall dudes that wear all black and have a cape. Yeah. I mean, and wear masks, of course. So yeah, I'm 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 with it. If that's if that's our our theme for Batman, I think that's gonna be awesome. It's still gonna be every time I hear it, it's still gonna be hard to <laughs> not hear the Imperial March. Like I feel like I need to I'm hear more. I'm hoping it's like that. a toned down version of it, and it, there's gonna be more accompaniment when it's full and in right. the movie. But all the same, if he gets like an intro thing like that when he first shows up as Batman and it's yeah. more powerful than that and hits harder and it's yeah, that would be amazing. Now if he was a pro um, does if good he work. was a pro wrestler so. and that was his entrance music. That that would elicit a good reaction from the crowd when, when it blares over the PA. Yes. Yeah. Um anything else on the bat suit that you guys want to talk about? Anything else that stuck out to you? Um, I, I did note in the other image that we got, um, with the Batmobile in it. If I'm you look get at the Batsuit. I'm gonna get well, to I'm there. Saying, but, it, but we're talking about the Batsuit. Yeah. And if you look at that image of the, him standing next mm -hmm. to it in the Batsuit. Oh, okay. That, that collar you were talking about is much less pronounced, and I don't notice it really in that one. Well, I think I see the, the one where it's more like a, a, a down shot on him. And the car? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. There's another one of him standing, uh, another vantage point of like the camera behind on him. level behind him in the car. Oh, okay. I see what you're talking about. Yeah, it's there. It's, I guess it's just the angle of that picture that makes it so it's not. 
And and what and it depends. Like maybe in the one it's shot he's noticeable. not wearing the cape, or maybe it's maybe it is materially different from one shot to the other. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because it's a different it's hard to tell. Like it's a different position. He's on different sides of the car in those two pictures. Yeah. Yeah, the full bat suit. I mean it's the shots are farther away. They're not as detailed as what the screen test footage was or the camera test footage. Um I I it's I mean it still kinda looks like the hockey pad type of thing. A little bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, as much as I like the idea of like the gun being disassembled and put in the bat symbol, I don't know if I. This is just me personally. I don't know if I like the thin bat symbol. I always like that to be sort of pronounced and like. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what criminals should be seeing. Like you want to focus on the bat symbol on the chest. Fair. But I guess even Nolan's bat symbol was small and hidden in part of the suit. Like color wise, it didn't stand out like a bright yellow symbol or anything <laughs> well, like that. Yeah, I mean that bat suit was more tactical though. It was like it was made to be like I'm trying to hide. I'm was trying one to be of the, a ninja. I don't remember if it was one of the the. Now I can't remember if it was one of the movies or like one of the comic book explanations for it. But that the suit, that the the bright symbol on his chest was bright to give criminals something to aim for. Like that's where the armor was thickest, so they want to shoot what they see, which is the bat symbol. So that's where he's most well protected. Right. And I feel like in the Nolan universe, he was going the ninja route where they weren't going to see him at all. Oh, true. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it's okay. depending on how you frame what Batman's doing. And we don't know necessarily how this Batman approaches things. So long as it's not shotguns, I'm fine with it. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Um, Yeah. You know, I'm okay with the Batman approach. Just let's see where he goes with it. Um, Something in those pictures though that i would like to point out um you can't see it in the picture you mentioned with the cowl where you can see the collar it almost looks like he's wearing some heavy gauntlets of some kind when he's in the Standing top down the picture yeah yeah that, that, there's something going on on his forearms mm. there that's bulkier than your usual batman i feel like the arkham asylum gauntlets could be because i think those those are like that design for that suit, everything was a little bit bigger and thicker, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't know about, like, that. Or maybe I'm thinking, like, Arkham Origins or something. I feel like Arkham Origins gauntlets did a lot more stuff, and they were bigger, heftier. Right. You're not wrong. I'm just looking at it from, like, the perspective of what is it. Because yeah. those look like they're, they're attachments. More Well, I don't want to say attachments, but they look like... Less mechanical, I guess. They don't look like the Inspector Gadget type thing that you would have in Arkham, in the like in the Arkham games. They look more like right. I don't know. They look weird. Yeah. So, something like I don't know what they are, and it, like I can see them, and I but I can't. You can't make out exactly what's going on with them. But I think there's going to be something cool that those do. It's going to be a cool gadget of some kind. Yeah, At least I hope been. so. Yeah. I hope it's not just a pad. Yeah, what's Batman without gadgets? Come on. Need some cool gadgets. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so let's move on to the car. Since we're looking at pictures of the car, what do you think of the car? Love it. One of the first comments that I heard about it, I, I think before I saw the picture, was that um, it someone had said that it looked like Fast and Furious Batman. Oh, yeah. I can see that. It just and, looks like a muscle car retrofitted with a rocket on the back. Fuck yeah, I'm for it. <laughs> I think um, 
I like I like the design from the back. There's something about the front to me that I think I would prefer to be a bit more artistic, a bit more characteristic, something to make it look less like an average car. Yeah. Um or 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 at least a a car that I recognize in any way. Um other than that, again, like in in the mode and in the the lighting and the colorization, the saturation they're going for that we've seen from the promo picture so far, it could very much fit. Um, again, if you want to ground things a bit um, and go less tanky, like Nolan did from some kind of uh, you know militarization, you know research end. Um, does this kind of fit? Yeah, it probably will fit the aesthetic and, and it'll do its job. But from just a pure like first impression, that's how I reacted to it. But if it again, if it proves to be what makes sense in the world that they're creating this time around, sure. I mean, a lot of this kind of strikes me as like early years Batman mm-hmm. is the, the idea I get from this. So if this is like the Batmobile version one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good with that. Like, absolutely. You know, in a movie or two later, he retrofits it again or or stylizes it more, finds something maybe more militant or sleeker. I don't know which way he'd go, but I'd like to see the different I iterations mean, of the Batmobile as we go through. Yeah, this has a more, to me, like Batman 66 Batmobile vibe. Very much. And oh, I yeah. feel like, yeah. you know, it, it's going more the car that has stuff on it route, where like the front end to me looks like he slapped some armor plating mm-hmm. over uh, some air intake vents that maybe would be vulnerable. But the engine's in the back, so maybe whatever's in the front there, maybe that's gun emplacements or something. I don't know what gadgets in the front on that thing. It looks like armor plating, but it could be any number of things. And then you can see, I think... Technically, this might be the first rear-engined Batman Batmobile that we get. Sure. Um, well, I, I'm just from my perspective, that's different. It's something different to have a rear-engined car for a Batmobile, mm. and it, and I think it's a tactical choice because typically the base vehicle you're working with there would have a f- engine in the front, right. so it's a tactical choice to put it in the back where perhaps. When he's chasing people, they can't hit his engine and disable the car. But if he's being chased, he's extremely vulnerable. Yeah. Batman don't Well, that's what chased. the rocket's for. Yeah. Right. Well, where's the rocket? I don't see the rocket. I mean, the big exhaust thing like at the back. What big exhaust thing? At the back of the car. There's a big circle right the, there. Are you looking it? at the picture of the back? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't see a big circle thing. I see, like, the ports for turbos yeah but wouldn't that be like a rocket boost um that maybe just be like a nos exhaust system i don't i don't know like it may I, i'm not sure whether or not that's an actual i'm not enough of a gearhead to know whether or not that would be an actual thing i mean i'm not either i'm just looking on at a car past batmobiles like they all have a freaking rocket on the back <laughs> I'm, I'm, do. I'm presuming rocket boost because i want it to be a rocket boost <laughs> I mean, that would go more in line with so the, the the way Josh described it, Fast and Furious car um, for. It even reminds me of, like, the freaking rocket car from GTA. It's just a car with True. a big rocket in the back. And the the other thing, if you look at, like, the rear view, you can actually see into the Batmobile. See like, some of the gauges like, and stuff. Yeah. But right in the center, 
like right on the same line as what you're seeing is the rocket. There's that thing with like a red arc on yeah. it. Well, I mean, that could be another cool gadget of some kind. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm just seeing stuff and I'm like, ooh, gadget. Ooh, that could be a gadget. <laughs> well, I feel um, like going with the noir part of it, um, and I can't remember if this is something that was quoted from Reeves himself or I just read it somewhere from an article, but I thought with the noir tone, they were going to lean into Batman the, the detective and actually, like, picking up clues and trying to solve you know, the the puzzles and stuff like that. So I don't know. I'm wondering how much of that detective part of it would take away from the gadgets or if the, they would go hand in hand. Or would, yeah, I was going to say the gadgets could be detective gadgets. Right. Like, like you get like in the Arkham series where he can see footprints on the ground or he can track scents. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like things like that, that he's able to do that normal people, normal detectives can't. But is I it, would be cool with that. Like, what, yeah. I, I guess my thought, at least my first thought, was like the detective part of it is more Bruce Wayne and less tech. Like, I, I feel like I'd like to see Batman figure out these clues on his own and less tech based. If he has all the tech, then it's like anybody could do it. I want to see Bruce Wayne be actually be able to show that he's smart and figure things out without relying too much on the tech. Well, I don't necessarily mean like relying on the tech is what I was thinking. I was thinking more along the lines of like he figures something out. But he has. And he's not tools able to like trace to help the him find information, right? Okay. Like, it, it's like I know there should be yeah. DNA here. Let me pop on the gadget that lets me see the DNA, or you know something like that. Right. All right. Yeah, we'll have to see what he does. I'm just thinking if it's if everything he comes into a room and just like scans stuff and's like, well, okay, there's a clue I'm looking for. Well, like, I'm okay. Like, I don't think they're gonna do it the exact way the video game made us do it. Yeah, like, I'm hoping man, not, that was pretty that... much how the video game went. You walked into a room and you're like, "Where? Oh, let, let me use." All right. Yeah, it's highlighted <laughs> like, for me on the ground after I hit this button. Like, that's what yeah. I need. Thank you. I, I don't think they're going to go that route. Um, at least I hope not. I agree. If they go that route, that would be no. But, dumb. but like you said, if he had something that could that he could disperse into the air that would emphasize footprints. Yeah, you know, and or they, something they like he a determines a need for something, and he for it to be illuminated it. to him or to analyze. But he has to still have the intellect to know what tool do I need, what do I have available that I need to use in this situation to get me closer to finding something that is in this room. You know, he he still has to be able to connect the dots, but you know, just because he might not be a master tracker looking at footprints that no one else can see with the naked eye on the, on floorboards. Right. You know, right. Or, or the thing that we've seen like a thousand times where he like engineers a something that can track fear toxin. You know, I, mean? I, I feel uh, like yeah. that's happened in the, yeah. in video games, in the movies, in the television series, in the comics so many times where he's like, if I do this, it'll react with the air and mm -hmm. show me where the fear toxin is. Yeah. I, yeah. I think what you're describing would be better for me. I think that'd be more in line with what I'd like to see. Mm -hmm. so I'm hoping it, hoping it's more of that. Well, speaking of in the car, like I, I would say in the car, the gadgets that we're seeing there could be like trackers. Maybe if we're going that route, something where like he pops a tracker on somebody and is able to follow them somehow with one of the screens we can see there it looks like there might be two screens maybe just one it's hard to tell for sure yeah but maybe something like that i don't know 
Or maybe he just likes his tunes while he's bat Batman. <laughs> I mean, I imagine every Batman from here on out listening to the Batman song from Lego Batman <laughs> when they're driving through the car. Oh, see, I was car. thinking like the 66 Batman. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that would work too. I'd be fine with that. Like, it would be a great shot just to see him, like, in this intense race, and all of a sudden they cut in, and it's just... And it just cuts back out to the intense, like, visceral chase, and then he's just sitting in there. And just... Oh, God, that'd be great. That's how he keeps the nerves in check. Yeah. I like it. I'm here for it. That and opium, and he's fine. <laughs> uh, all right, any final thoughts for Batsuit and Batmobile? Move on to topic number two. I hope they fix the bulbous head. <laughs> it just has a weird top to the cow. And that's not Robert Pattinson's head. That's what I was saying earlier. That's not his head. He's not okay. taking up that space in there. That's on the cow itself. And I feel like it could... I it's don't like, like it. Now I can't remember. Did we did we touch on what sort of brought you around to Pattinson? Um, before you were like, I don't like it. I don't, this is going to be stupid. Twilight vampire twinkly guy Batman. I'm not. I'm not for it. I, I I still think it's not the best choice. But let me make that clear. I don't think that he is the best choice out there for Batman, but I'm interested to see it. Okay. Because before, um, I didn't I think you were lighthouse. even going to venture to see it. Well, I watched The Lighthouse, and that didn't necessarily bring me that much around on Robert Pattinson. Um, It's a weird movie. I don't know that I recommend it if you have the time. It's weird. Very, very weird. But I, I I'm more on board with it than I was before, and I, and I'm interested to see it at this point. Like I said, but I I I don't think there's anything that's ever going to get me to say, boy, this is the right choice before I actually see it. Okay. Um, because I feel like there's a lot better choices they could have gone with. Yeah. All right. That's fair. And if that's still maybe I'll be proven were. wrong. Yes. Well, I've come to accept that not, it, nothing matters. Like, it's, it, nothing's going to change it. Yeah. So I better, I need to either get on board and want to see this Batman. And the rumors of Calendar Man definitely helped. Like, the heavy rumors around Calendar Man and the Long Halloween, it's like, okay, I'm not going to miss that no matter what. So, right. there, you know. There's, a, I mean, assuming if, if any of the releases uh, as we transition to the next topic stay intact in at all if anybody survives their release their previously announced release schedules um the one trailer that they've done for tenant so far has barely included glimpses of pattinson in that but yeah. in some of the scenarios that they're showing him maybe as like strong-willed action guy you know getting to see that a year in advance of the batman um might have a, a play on how we perceive he, he might be fitted for the role. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it too. See him less in the art house stuff and more of a mainstream action y movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean we'll see. I mean that, that that's the best we can say at this point is like we don't know what the deal's gonna be until we see it. Yep. Uh, all right, so I'm going to move us on to topic number two, which is all the uh, movie delays we've sort of touched on a little bit. So, uh, I mean, most of the entertainment news that has been happening lately has all been in response to the current coronavirus threat. 
Um, so we're all doing our best to stay home, keep up with social distancing, social distancing, preventing the spread of the virus. Not only have productions had to shut down in order to limit exposure, exposure, limit exposure, and avoid large gatherings, but many businesses have been forced to close their doors until things settle down. So even if the productions were allowed to continue, movie theaters have closed for the time being. So release dates have gone out the window. Some of these movies that were meant to be released in theaters this month have gone straight to digital, which is an interesting move that we're going to talk about. Um, I tried my best to gather a list of sort of like relevant movies that have been delayed. Um, a lot of them do not have an updated release date because it all depends how soon people can go back to work and at which this point could be at least a few more months. So we have no idea. Um, so just sort of going down the list that I got, uh, no time to die, which is the next James Bond movie was moved from April to November, 2020, not a specific date, November, just November right now. Um, quiet place part two for you guys Ugh. is release date to be determined. I know. Yeah. Just delayed. I, I want to say right before all this happened, Josh sent me a text message. It's like, oh, they're doing a quiet place and a quiet place part two is a yes. double feature. Or if you're like, we can't make it, but just so you know about it. And then like. It two was, days later, yeah. I, did, I never even got a chance to respond to Josh. It was like two days later, they're like, we're pushing the release date back. It's like, well, I guess I'm not making that thing. <laughs> yeah, I saw Krasinski treat, tweet that, that they were pulling that release. Uh, Put it on home, Krasinski. We'll watch it. <laughs> Everybody will. Let's pay uh, $20. I might do that for Quiet Place. Yeah, I would. Yeah, that's a price point we'll talk about when we get there, too. Um. Josh, I know we haven't got here yet, and I know you're really disappointed in this one, but Fast and Furious 9 An was moved from April year. 2019 My to April 2nd, 2020. God, I'm surprised this wasn't the thing that just caused people to riot and start blaming people who weren't responsible and, and, and destroying their communities. <laughs> See, to me, this actually makes a lot of sense, I think, because, <laughs> like... Granted, global global box office is a big draw for people. Like, China makes a shit ton of money for the movie studios and stuff. But there is no franchise that performs better in China than Fast and Furious. So I know. Not only are they waiting for us to calm down here, they want China to be everybody in the theater for this movie when it comes out. So a full year, they're really playing it safe, but that it's a smart move on their part. I have... China doesn't come to the theater for that movie. They just lost a billion dollars. Basically, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. I I heard that uh, it was like a week ago, maybe that China has started to. I, I'm taking it as a sign that they're starting to get their situation out of uh, under control. Their numbers have not really been increasing dramatically in the last mm. like two or three weeks. They kind of plateaued. Um, and to the point where in some cities, I'd have to go back to look for the article, but it was like, it was like a, a major news publication. It wasn't just like, Oh, randomly saw on the internet. Um, that, uh, some, some, the government had okayed the opening specifically of movie theaters again, uh, either like starting April 1st, or they just started this week again to the point. Oh, I remember what the article was. It was surrounding the fact that they are going to put Disney movies back into these theaters i don't know if they're going back to new releases but it was like the like all the avengers movies and a couple other disney movies like animated films or something were going to be screened in these cinemas yeah again so I... if they're trying like if they feel they're in a, a healthful place enough to to be you know allowing people to mass gather again um you know that's maybe a hopeful sign 
I think we'll have to start checking dates because at the rate things change, it seems like every day there's something else coming up. But I think I saw that same article you're talking about. Then I feel like a day or two later, I saw something else that said the theaters are closing again. Specifically in China? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So, and again, I don't know the timing. I don't know if like just the way stuff happens and like the feeds that I'm scrolling through, nothing happens sequentially. So I have no idea what article came first, if, you know, what's the, what's the latest word over there, but... I'm still kind of holding my breath. I don't know. If, I don't know if we're there yet. Sure. But yeah, once China starts recovering and coming back around, it should be a good sign for everybody else. And I definitely Could don't be. think it's going to take a year. Like, I, I'm well, at least I'm crossing my fingers. It's not a year, Jesus. But. Well, it, it could be like the full fallout of this takes a year to recover from. Maybe everybody's back to work. Everything's is starting to return to normal sooner. But the full recovery for the economy for everybody to be back to where we were. When all this started, oh yeah, it could take a full year. And they're like, well, people aren't going to have extra out-of-pocket money maybe for a full year to go to see movies. Yeah, because I'm not expecting as soon as the theaters open their doors again, everyone's going to be like, oh my god, movies, I've missed you, let's go. And then everyone floods into the movie theater again. No, people are going to be like, nope, there's still coronavirus people out there. We're not... It's going to be real hesitant at first, so... Yeah, gatherings are going to be slow. Yeah. Um, so another one that was set to open March 27th, Mulan, was uh, unreleased. So that release date to be determined. Uh, <laughs> New Mutants, the movie that just can't catch a break, <laughs> was set Fox. to open April 3rd and now release date to be determined. If Fox just, had released I, it two years ago like they were supposed to. <laughs> how much better has that movie actually gotten in those two years? I'm hoping quite You know a bit. what I mean? Like... Well, I don't know, but at the same time, a lot of these movies, I, I, we'll talk about it. Go ahead, keep going with your list. Um, I, I, that one pisses me off more than most because of how long we've waited. Yeah, uh, I don't know how what's the latest on this one, but the last I read on this one, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings production was on hold after director Destin Daniel Cretton was self isolating and being tested for coronavirus. Ooh, okay. So, so that's that just release production date. on hold entirely. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I can't remember if that, yeah, I guess that did have a release date because it was on the, yeah. the next phase of Marvel stuff. So that's be February. probably going to be pushed to something. So we don't know when, uh, Mission Impossible seven production was shut down at the end of February. So that release date's to be determined. Uh, Jurassic world dominion production was stopped release date to be determined. Uh, the movie we talked about earlier, the Batman, their production shut down. So they're to be determined. Uh, fantastic beast three gear was gearing up to start production. Damn it. But then was postponed. So right. that release date will probably be pushed. And I only say uh, damn it on that because they initially, they already postponed that. It was mm-hmm. it was supposed to be out this November. And they pushed back production oh, right. entirely yeah, yeah. for it. Like they were pushed back the release an entire year, which meant they pushed back production for quite a long time. So, all yeah. right. All right. Uh, the Matrix 4. Shut down production, release date, release date to be determined. Wait, we don't get the John Wick 4 Matrix 4 thing anymore? Damn it. Well, I'm sure, well, maybe we still could, because I'm presuming then John Wick 4 is also affected by this. Yeah, that's got to be after they're done doing Matrix. I would imagine Keanu's got to be freed up for that. Um, this, this is the one movie I keep waiting to happen, and just uh, between the six or seven director changes, this this finally happened now too, but Uncharted... So based on the video game franchise that I've been waiting for, has been delayed at least six weeks. Okay, that's not that bad. 
I don't even think that started. Like, I don't know where they're in production because they haven't. Like, yeah. They haven't started shooting. I don't think. No, they were still making casting announcements. Last I heard, it was like Mark Wahlberg was cast as Sully. Last I had heard, and they keep changing directors. The latest, I couldn't even remember what director it was, and I don't remember if we talked about the latest director change. Even I'd have to go back and look. But and Josh, maybe this will pique your interest. But the the latest director for this is Ruben Fleischer. Hmm. Okay. So the Zombieland director is directing yep, yep, Uncharted. Hmm. Yep. Okay. And director of Venom. I should put that out there too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you can pull that back. You know. <laughs> we'll cut that out. Uh, and the what else is uh, Avatar sequels? Production was put on hold for the Avatar sequel. So the second movie was currently scheduled to be released December seventeenth, twenty twenty one. Um, depending on the delay, I don't know if that's going to really affect the release window for that at all. Like, I feel like a year and a half away, that could still maybe make that, but we'll have to just yeah. wait and see. So that one's sort of up in the air, I guess. Right if now. they can still make their scheduled first day of shooting. They can still make their release date. I think they're. I think they were currently shooting. I was, uh, they were already shooting for that. Wow! It's they're trying been, to shoot like three or four movies all at once or something like that, aren't they? It's oh, been okay. twelve were... years, and I remember the there was an. I still remember pieces of this interview when Sigourney Weaver was on, I think, the Daily Show in two thousand nine, doing press for the first one, and she described that production schedule. They were making that movie for like four years. Oh yeah. yeah. Like in pieces, like and not not just like oh well you know we did principal photography with the actors for these couple of months and that was it. Like no, they as the physical actors went back multiple times to do all the different layered pieces of it. So in theory, they've been making Avatar two in production already for like two or three years. So yeah, I I have no idea how far along. If you they remember, are. it's been it'll be twelve years if they make their release date. It'll be twelve years. Between the first and the second one. I mean, if that's not enough time to make your movie. The other release dates that they've announced already, that we're getting an Avatar movie every two years starting December 2021. Two years after that, we're getting another one. Two years after that, we're getting another one. So they have to be in the process of doing all these. And I I thought the plan was to try to do them back to back just because the post-production is so extensive. Right, right. And to to keep the releases two years apart like that, they, they have to get a lot done um so regardless that one's delayed we'll see if that changes the release date uh black widow was set to come out may 1st which has been postponed release date to be determined uh minions 2 the rise of Gru, which is one i'm really excited for uh they're they're obviously it's an animated film but i think working from home isn't really viable for this kind of movie so that production got shut down they can't finish the animation before the release date so that's to be determined uh wonder woman 1984 there was a lot of speculation and rumors that this might get released digitally patty jenkins shut that down she tweeted that the she wants it to be in the theater they made this for a theater release so release date moved from june 5th the new date is august 14th uh depending on how long you know the theaters close and everything like that we'll see if we're going to go by august that could move again depending on how things happen um a lot of our most anticipated movie, Ghostbusters Afterlife. <laughs> uh, as far as I could tell, I didn't see an update on this movie. I'm assuming it's shut down production. They have to be in post-production by now. I think principal photography yeah, is probably done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was set to release July 10th, so we're going to see what happens there. As of right now, they haven't said anything about moving anything, but I'm assuming that will move out. Um, and then as far as some of the recent releases that were affected, uh, Disney Pixar's Onward 
released March 6th in theaters, right as all this shit started. Obviously, it had a rough opening weekend. Uh, in the weeks that followed, the theater started to close. Disney then announced that it was available to purchase on digital March 20th, and then it would be hitting Disney Plus on April 3rd. So that is a very quick turnaround from the theater to, you know, home video digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bloodshot was due to release theaters March 13th, which I think it did. I, I think, think it, it still did. released that was, yeah, opening it, weekend. It hit theaters. Yeah, but it, I think that was like the last weekend that things were really open. Yeah, and then yeah. like the week after that, it was released on digital, or two weeks after that, because it was, it was last weekend, this past weekend. Um, it finally released on digital. So two weeks after being in the theater and it became digital release on at home. Um, so I know like the studios are trying to adapt to this, you know, chaotic time, what's going on. It makes sense to release these movies online while people are stuck at home looking for content to, you know, keep past the time, keep them from not getting bored. Um, it looks like the movies that released in theaters and even after a week later were released on digital are available to own. You can get a digital copy for years to keep for 20 bucks. Movies that have not yet gotten a theatrical release. So something like The Invisible Man, The Hunt, Emma, I think they seem to be only available to rent for $20 because they did not right. get it. I don't, I think Josh is trying to think. Were they any of those released in theaters? I didn't yeah. think they were. No, they they were yeah. they were the last ones right on the cusp because the last movie we saw was The Invisible Man. We saw it the week after it came out. Okay, so um, I had wrong the, information. The, the Hunt released the same weekend as Bloodshot, so that was like March thirteenth. We had meant to see that, but things started to shut down. Um, and Sarah wanted to see Emma, and that was either the same weekend or the one before, so maybe like March the third ish. Like first Friday, first weekend of March, maybe. So I wonder what the distinction is because looking at Voodoo, the first couple movies that were out earlier in the month are saying, you know, uh, what I forget what they had on the on the. I should just look at the store. Um, I think the first few that came out were The Invisible Man, The Hunt, Emma, and I feel like they put those out for rent to test the waters to to rent at a high price point. Right, they were twenty dollars to rent, yeah. but I feel like because they were the first ones out, they were just there to rent instead of purchase. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look and at this, I feel like the ones that have started coming in all show to purchase now. So I think what threw me is I'm looking at the Voodoo store, and they have a whole theater at home section now, which is obviously brand new because all this stuff is happening so quickly. Right. Um, the only three that are labeled home premiere are the Invisible Man, The Hunt, and Emma, which I I guess interpreted as they are coming to the home first before theaters. No, I everything think else that released in theaters I, ahead of like a week or two ahead, Bloodshot onward. I, I saw something uh, similar like that. If you look at Redbox on demand, yeah. um, like their their streaming uh, version of, of Redbox, it, they kind of do the same thing. They call, it might have been home premiere or home debut, something like that. So, I, yeah, I, I think they're like, and even Bloodshot, it, it, I think they're trying to recoup anything that they can from what would have been a theatrical release and go to a rental side first. Yeah. Whereas that's what I'm thinking. Like bloodshot is not labeled home premiere. Uh, I think on Redbox it was, so maybe it depends on the platform. It's just terminology. Right, right, right. Like so, so, but, but things that had, um, released in like mid to late February, such as I saw another article talking about, um, like birds of prey, the downhill, uh, the movie with uh, Ju- Julia Louis Dreyfus and Will Ferrell, right? Um, yeah. And there was another one. Were oh, uh, Call of the Wild. Yeah, um, yeah. They were available to own 
digitally at like ten or fifteen dollars and rent at maybe five, six, seven. So I think it depended on the timing. If the studios felt that they had any opportunity to get their theater dollars back, I think that's kind of creating these tiers where even if they had a couple of weeks, they're going right to I mean, a lower rent, a lower own, and then even lower rental price point. Mm-hmm. Whereas these ones that got released just on the cusp of the collapse, they're still just doing a you know temporary rental at a higher price. And then probably right. if, I mean, if you it, give it three more weeks, I wouldn't be surprised if you know the hunt goes down to own at fifteen, rent at seven. So the only I'm browsing the voodoo prices and stuff. Everything is twenty dollars except for the Call of the Wild is fifteen, and downhill is nine or like ten, yeah. ten bucks to own. I was like, Birds are, of Prey was still own. twenty when I saw it. Now, is there anything else? So like, the, like the Invisible Man probably doesn't have an own option, only a rental no. option, right? Right. So, but the, but if but, that came out the same weekend as Bloodshot, why are they both not own? Bloodshot is own. Visible Man came out. I two, that, it wasn't week, two or three weeks earlier. Yeah, it was. It was so the even hunt still that still that supposedly did. That but doesn't make sense to me. The way that that well, was, it's different studios. They, I mean, I guess I'm more thinking like the the whole thing was like the reason this never happened before. There is a three month theater window. It releases in the theater for three months before right. you can do anything home distribution wise. Right now, yeah. that has shit the bed because of what's Correct. going on. But I'm just yeah. wondering what the distinction is between these if. Bloodshot released in theaters two weeks ago and is now available to own, but Invisible Man released in theaters three weeks ago and you can only rent it. No, no, no. It. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me clarify. Invisible Man released two to three weeks in theaters before Bloodshot, not two or three, yeah, weeks, two or three ago. weeks ago. Okay. So even still, it was even earlier and Bloodshot's a more recent release. So why do you, are you able to own Bloodshot yet you can only rent? Because I think because this is an unprecedented thing that's going on and it's up to the studios to decide what they want to offer. That that's where I would okay. fall down that, with okay. Mike on that. Yeah, that would make sense. Okay, I think I think it's a combination of timing of when it got its theatrical release and studio. Okay. Yeah, there's no rules set in place for what's happening right now with all this. Right. I just think so. it'd be. I just kept thinking it would be one or the other. I figured they would allow people to rent all this stuff at home for twenty bucks just to try to get people to see it and see like sort of test the waters, like a beta sure. test. If someone wants to do this, is it viable option for us to put it in the home? almost day and date release with a theater. If they want to pay twice as much to watch it at home, they can do that for 48 hours or go to the theater. Mm-hmm. And well, I guess depending on where you see the theater, 20 bucks might be worth, might be the same as a movie ticket. At the theater or less, but, right. Depending yeah. on the day of the week and the time if you go on a Saturday night. Yeah. So if, you Brian, know. if you have it in front of you, so you're saying there's a, there's a buy and rent option for bloodshot. What are the price points on that? Bloodshot only says buy. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen any that have separate buy and rent. I've only seen buy or rent. Yes. I've, se- I've seen a few titles that had buy or rent. Birds of Prey, you can buy or rent. And something like Downhill. It is not Down available Hill to rent or until April 7th. Probably does. Right, and there might be a slightly okay. delayed option on the rental. But, okay, so so Bloodshot kind of went the opposite way. Whereas, like, The Hunt or Invisible Man simply said, you can rent it. Mm-hmm only and it's going to be 20 bucks bloodshot seems to have gone the other way where it's like you know what just buy it straight out same price right okay yeah it's funny like you scroll over them and it says buy slash rent for 20 dollars, but then you click on the movie and the only option is buy yeah 
that, that that has it in a lot of cases. Like Amazon, if you look at their whole listing, it'll say like movies to rent or purchase, and the option really is like or. The or is usually <laughs> really important there because yeah, I think that's very like there will be a lot of them that just have the buy option yeah. for a few weeks. Yeah, that's where Sarah looked. If I remember the same day, like over the, the weekend, like Thursday or Friday, we were looking at like. Yeah, well, you know, it's not like we're starving for entertainment options. Um, but if we wanted to look at one of these, I think she looked at Amazon as well. And it was basically, the, it, I mean, it seems to be pretty consistent across every platform. Like, I don't think you're going to find, um, well, if I look at Voodoo, I can only buy Bloodshot for 20 But if I go to Amazon Prime, I can rent it for 17 Like, I don't think you're going to find different right. options. They've The studios are probably making the options available the same across every platform they're going to offer it on. Right. Um, so just sort of spinning into our discussion here, which we're already sort of talking on. Uh, do you think, I guess like this is the beginning of the end for movie theaters and the theater experience? Or do you think this, like, do you no. think something catch on? You think theaters are going to, because this is the thing theaters have been scared of for sure. years now. Digital distribution is something that they think is going to run them out of business. Now studios and uh, companies are very quick to back up the theaters and say, we're not going to do that. We still want to release things theatrically. Mm-hmm. But yeah. for the audience, this is convenient for them. Is this something oh, absolutely. that will be adapted and and could could catch an early trend just because of the circumstances of what's going on right now? I mean, there's a chance for that. But like for, I think, a lot of people, the movie theater is an experience. You know, it's a lot easier and simpler and honestly a better experience to watch hockey or baseball at home but the stadiums still get packed um fair so i i think the movie going experience still exists where go to the movie get a bucket of popcorn and sit there with your ridiculously sugary soda and be enjoy the theater experience on a screen you can't afford to have at home yeah with audio you can't afford to have at home and have that full-on movie theater experience nobody has an imax at home and the thing that i that i like about a movie theater that it would take a very long time to move away from this from a home experience like let, let let's say we get to a point again in six months a year where we all feel safe we're all we're all good and I can pay $25 and I can have four of my friends over and we can see the brand new movie all together. And we're paying one time $25 for four or five of us to see it together. That's great. But you know what I still have at home? I have the distraction of my phone and mm-hmm. a laptop or uh, getting up and going to the kitchen or going to do this or that. One of the things that I really like about a movie theater I'm supposed to sit there and watch the movie. Yeah. That actually, I like doing that. I like being in an environment that takes away my, at least from a social etiquette standpoint, takes away my other options. And as things have evolved, like that's, I mean, that's like, we're old enough. Like that's how we grew up. We didn't have all this shit 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, so that's how our lives used to be. When I started seeing movies in the theater, there was no distractions like this. It wasn't, I didn't have a phone in my pocket. Right. And, and, and I mean, to me, it really helps have still an avenue for me to go do that. So I'm sure there will be some carve away, some market that will get created out of this, um, that will, that will create a new avenue 
for the industry to go in. My prediction is that it won't be like a massive thing that took that takes traction where you see like in the first two years after all this, I don't think you're going to see mass closures or, a sig- or even no. a, even a significant, see, you know, whatever, whatever level you want to call significant. I don't think you'll see that in right. like closures of theaters or, or, or horrible drop off in attendance. And, and I feel like there's a certain group of movies that would benefit from it where I feel like something like the hunt, I'm like, personally, there's a lot of people like me that aren't going to go see that in a theater. But if it's available at home, sure. and I don't have to make a whole day of it and do a whole thing, yeah, I might check it out sooner than later. I might not wait for it to show up on Netflix. I might just watch it when it's available. Whereas something like Black Widow, I'm going to the theater. Yeah, I'm going to see that big spectacle movie still in the theater that's an event movie. Whereas something that... I would be on the fence about where I might go, I might not go. I'm much more likely to watch it and pay the full price of the $20 to rent it for that first however long if it's available at home. Yeah, and that, okay. that's... Yeah, I was going to ask about the to, price point. Well, that, $20 is reasonable for 48... We'll say a 48-hour rental for a new release. So, but right, yeah, I mean, right before we jump into that, actually, I wanted to make the point that that is the biggest... Something that Mike just said is one of the most common comments that I've heard people make about this is that for the last 10 years, at least, it has seemed like movie theaters have only survived on the event movie. Oh, for sure. That the yeah. mid, the mid level film and especially your like basic, even like regular comedies have not, you know, it costs maybe 20 million to make that movie, even with those big stars, but those are not making bank really that much at theaters anymore. So this combination of, if you extracted these mid to lower card movies out of the theaters, what effect does that have? And right, what how does that then interplay with the price point discussion? So speaking uh, to what I was speaking yep. of and to this point is that for me, the cost of a whole day out, because inevitably you go out to the theater, you go to dinner, you know, it's a date night kind of thing for a couple, mm-hmm. or you still you do other things while you're out. It's an, it's not a cheap day out necessarily, and for me, I tend to look for movies to go to the theater that take advantage of the theater experience, and that tends to be the event movies with special effects and things like that that are loud and pronounced. Whereas, I'm not really getting much of a better experience if I other than the distractions if I pay attention at home to a movie that's a comedy the theater really isn't improving that experience for me or a movie like The Irishman a serious drama the theater really isn't changing that experience for me does that make sense like yep. but but if you go to see The Avengers the theater changes that experience if there's things that about the movie that make it different in a theater than watching at home then it changes that and that tends to be something where i might go to see a movie like the irishman or a comedy or something like that in the theater if i'm feeling like it on that particular day where the event movie we're all going we're definitely going yeah you know it's so from a studio perspective how do you adapt to something like that do you say like these types of if you have a budget over 100 million dollars you're going to the theater but if you're less than that you're going to go home digital 
Like, um, or maybe it evolves movie's that going way. to be offended that they are not, you know, that high profile of a movie that they're not going to get a theater release when the director and people involved are planning that from the start. I think it would depend. Well, it's, it's an adjustment period yeah. if it happens that way. Because, look, I mean, there are now award-winning movies from digital platforms. And there are right. big-name yep. people. I mean, you got Martin Scorsese to make a movie for Netflix. You've gotten Brad Pitt to be in at least one, if not two movies, I think, made by Netflix. You're getting, you're getting the studio system making films for these streaming platforms right so they see the writing on the wall and they know what benefit it can have so maybe what you mentioned is something where maybe it's not official but maybe organically it does kind of move that way that what lower budget movies go home video or, or, release yeah and it, and it might not be quick it might be over the next you know five to seven years you see you, you know you really start to see that take hold but that wouldn't really shock me that and, much yeah, the thing that wouldn't surprise me as well is to see some something like, you know, like Disney has their own platform to do it through, whereas right. Universal may create their own platform to do this through, so they're not paying any fees to Amazon or to Netflix or to anybody, and they can just release it on their own, and yeah. so on down the line with, the, of course, all the other companies, without having to name them all, um, could end up in that same place. No, I, I still think that it creates a possible better situation for an exhibitor to still act as the central location because i'm not now well let me walk this back i'm i'm in the mindset of a subscription business model so could i if universal makes a movie and puts it on a platform and decides well if you're if, if you and your friend you know you and your companion whatever it is would go to the theater and pay 10 to 12 bucks a pop for this, then okay, pay me 20 to $25 to stay home and watch it digitally. And we're getting about the same revenue trade-off. Now, my mindset, I'm not going to be as quickly adaptable to that because in the last year and a half, I have become, well, almost two years, I have become extremely spoiled and used to the idea <laughs> of the subscription availability. Um, we started those couple of months with movie pass and then moved over to AMC. Yeah. So for us, I would think could, so, so for instance, right now, Sarah and I each pay $21 a month for AMC a list. Now that's been put on hold with all of this. They aren't charging people more fees as they're physically closed, but right. If we go to the theater, now that, that gives us each access to 12 movies at a theater each month, three a week. So I pay $21 one time, I can see 12 movies a month without giving them another cent. Sarah also pays that $21 a month. So if you now give me a digital at-home version, only one of us has to pay the fee for us both to see it. So... Could I accept or entertain the idea of something like AMC having a centralized agreement with a number of studios and saying, we will still be your central exhibitor on a digital platform, but instead of the subscription only being $21 a month, well, now this one fee can be shown to two, three, 
four, five, six people at a time. Okay, now it's time to raise the prices. Now it's time, maybe. Yeah, the price will definitely. Maybe go it's up. a forty to fifty dollar a month type type of price point for something like that, and maybe they start to flirt with that. I personally would be much more akin. I'd be much more open to an idea like that as opposed to every single solitary movie I want to watch is going to cost me $20. Right. And, that, and, and well, I think a lot of people would be more open to it, but it's a much less profitable. Right, but but, in, but it was the same in one way or another. It was the same gamble that AMC as the exhibitor or the studios as the producers took when they allowed AMC as the as the exhibitor to offer something like a list somewhere along the way someone was making less money per ticket it was either going to be the studio sure. or this or the exhibitor or they're sharing that potential loss but it's getting people to the theater more in theory to do that now when you do that probably the exhibitor is making more benefit because if you go like you mentioned mike you're buying the popcorn you're buying the highly marked up concession products etc but if you right if you told me that for our household it would be a, a say a 50 to 60 dollar per month fee and at the very least if it was even all these mid card things you know if, if if they said well black widow is not going to be offered on that that's going to be a theater only release because that's right. where the business model has taken us I could entertain that, but I still have access to the other four or five movies. I'm probably going to, I would have gone to the theater under a program like this to see anyway. Because at, yeah. at, at least if I'm going to the, under, under a list, if I'm going to the theater six to seven to eight times a month, I guarantee at least half of those were movies I was not going to see if I still had to pay my regular individual full ticket price. Right. So there's definitely a discussion to be had here that I don't think you would lose an entire audience by simply saying, we see that there's an opportunity for an at-home market, and there might be a shift to certain kind of movies going solely or predominantly that direction. And so let's talk about adjusting these price points. For an individual movie, I'm going to be less, I'm going to be much less in the market for that conversation. But if you start talking to me about well, bulk things and subscription services, I, then you you know you have my attention. I think it's going to come it down. Starts... Oh god, Go Mike. <laughs> uh, so I'm just thinking. I think it's going to come down to how much they want to listen to the audience for this kind of stuff because the audience is going to become a cut. Just this little taste of it will probably get people to want this kind of distribution more. So, you know, after this whole crisis is over and everybody goes back to three month theater release before you get it at home. Our audience is going to accept that. Are they going to want to like if it's like, okay, you gave me this taste of this, so are you going to keep going? Or are they going to fight back against that? I think the instant gratification now, culture. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it is. But again, if, if right now the, you only got the taste of it, if you were willing to pay the higher price right now, and I think that's something they will keep. I don't know if they do a subscription model because if they want to keep that three month theater window to be more expensive at home, if people don't want to pay the twenty twenty five bucks to watch it for two days. Then they'll be like, okay, I could, I could just wait. I'll just wait until, you know, the three when it's in theaters and yeah. go or something like that. You, you, you're trying to force, not force, but 
you want to give that theater window time to breathe. So if, if it's somehow cheaper to go to the theater, hopefully people will do that more to keep the theater chain going before just can the convenience of 20, 25 bucks to watch the movie at home. It's just, yeah. how much do you want to pay for that convenience? Which I agree to. Right. So let, let's use bloodshot and myself as a, a simple example on its own. I would not have paid 10 to $15 to go see bloodshot in a theater. I, it didn't appeal to me that much. I am also not going to pay 15 20 or $25 to rent or own Bloodshot digitally at home for the convenience of not going. However, for the 20 to $25 monthly subscription fee that I, can, I, I pay to go to a physical theater, if I was able to do that right now, there's a good chance I would have. So the, po- so the point here is what how... The people, the only people that could react to this possibility are people who right now in the experiment as it's happening are the people that like your only focus group are people who are going to try this. It's not going to be the masses. You're not going to have the ability to ask every single typical movie theater goer what their feeling is on this and get accurate results because the only real audience you have to tap into are the people who right now are sitting at home and thinking I either would have gone to see bloodshot anyway, or I really wouldn't have, but whatever, let me give it a shot and I'll pay the 20 bucks right now. Like the, the, the tar, the, the, the available market data to pull from right now, I think would be so little that I don't know if they would have, if they would be able to extrapolate accurately from it. Does that make sense? Kind of. I mean, like right now you have people that are stuck inside looking for stuff to watch. So obviously the numbers, I think, for this kind of experiment are going to be higher. Sure. But are they going to use those numbers, inflated or not, to be like justification for trying to get this distribution down? Fair. I would say whatever the case that they do, it won't be fleshed out probably for two years until they figure out what works best. They may try different things here and there to see what is working, and it may end up being that that works best. But whatever it is, this whole model is going to be very new and very different for theaters to deal with, and for, obviously, companies to deal with, that I'm not sure they're going to know what to do about it. Because you don't have an individual model like this. You have similar things like Netflix that have their own content that draw people in, but they also have a lot of other content that draws people in on Netflix that isn't just made for Netflix. So you don't have something to refer to. And now in this time, you really don't either. Because that subscription service is not something that I think you're going to see at home anytime soon. I think they would stick with the current model that they're using now. Agreed. Until it either works or doesn't work. And if it's not working, if they would continue to do it after this crisis... If it's not working, that's when you may see them start to try to move towards a subscription model of some kind. I think sort of my point is like I'm trying to figure out how much do they want to uh, give into like the audience's demands. Like more or less how much do you want to listen to the Internet, I guess, because a lot of people once this is over are going to be wanting this type of digital at home distribution for every movie that's coming out, whether it's going to the theater or not. Right. So, well. If you have people complaining online, I will never go see this in the theater, but if they release it at home, I'll, I'll watch it right now. Like, how much are they going to mm. listen to that after all this? 
See, and, and well, that's the question. I think that is, that that also you know, yeah, and that also plays into my the point I think I was trying to make, which is yeah, that person may be screaming that, but unless that person actually put their money down right now when they had the opportunity to do it, why listen to that person at all? Yeah, but is yeah. that something that anyone actually checks? Right, and, but like, I no, mean, well, once it, they're able the to, they probably to the internet. Well, right, but once they're able to to do it and get people in person, like you have these platforms to pull customer data from you will be able to identify these people and invite them to take part in surveys sure. and focus groups and, and whatnot. So you'll know exactly who paid and who actually took that step as, yeah. a, as opposed to just jackass Johnny on Twitter saying that, but who had the real life experiment opportunity to put down their 15 or $20 for the thing that they're saying that they want and they chose not to. Yeah. So why would you really and... care what they think? And let's not forget, the internet is all about brigading, trolling, yeah. and putting out stupid misinformation, sometimes intentionally trying to misinform companies. You know, the sad thing is companies listen. That's the point that I'm right, trying to make. Exactly. And <laughs> okay, they shouldn't. Okay, fair enough. Listening to the right. internet is nine times out of ten a bad idea. Do what the numbers tell you to do for business wise. Yes. Look at the numbers, don't listen to the people on the internet. Because only the most vocal and most opinionated people are actually going to be giving you feedback on the internet to begin with. And then there's the other people that are giving you the intentionally incorrect feedback. Yeah. People that are generally pleased aren't rushing to the internet to say, I am so happy with this. <laughs> right. I've never done that once in my life. I've never rushed to give a review for something I was really pleased with. Ever. Um, so, yeah. It... But yeah, I'm ho I am hoping this does not affect theaters because I, I love the theater experience. I'm with you guys. And like Josh was saying, the I, I within the last month, well, I guess more towards the beginning of the year, end of last year, um, I decided to sign up the A-list like him and Sarah have. And yeah. that subscription, I am surprised how much I actually really like using that thing. And to Josh's point, if I'm paying 22 bucks a month to see three movies a week, I would gladly wait until this is over to see bloodshot in the theater as part of my subscription than to pay $20 to watch it at home. Right. But maybe I'm in the minority because I'm part of this movie theater subscription service. Not everybody does that. So depending on, can, it's some definitely people, a minority. Yeah. And I think a lot of people go for convenience over going to the, like the theater experience. They, they would well, rather have it brought to them in their house and pay a little bit more. I think is the way I'm feeling like people would go. Well, and like we said, with the concessions, it's not paying more. You can get the exact same stuff you had in the theater, food-wise, and the cost of your tickets. And it's going to cost you more than doing it at home by paying the higher fee for the movie and paying basically nothing for popcorn and soda. Right. As opposed to paying $20 for popcorn and soda. Right. Yeah. So, so I, I think there's that part of it to the economy end that... Yeah, the economy plays in, I think, having this stuff go at home. Economically, I think it's a better choice. The other thing I thought of, too, is that with all these delays, when everything finally ramps back up and people are looking for release dates again, I started to crowded. think, like, where would they put these movies? Are they going to put them, are they going to wait till next, like, if Black Widow wants to come out, are they going to wait until next May? Or would they release it in some of these months when there's really nothing there and start hopefully a trend that we've talked about for years is release the movies whenever the fuck you want. People will go see them. Like maybe we'll actually get yeah. good releases in October, September, February, March, like stuff that we want to see that can draw people to the theater. 
And if they start making money in those months, maybe going forward, we'll actually get year-round releases that are good and not just have these off months because no one wants to put something there. Yeah, I mean, I get the holiday weekend releases and trying to target those. But other than the holiday weekend choice releases, it doesn't make sense. To me, whenever you release that good movie, people are going to go see that good movie. Yeah, and that's, I think, the argument Yeah, Thanksgiving and Christmas are going to get more money made. But other than that, just release shit. Yeah. But something like Black Widow, I think, for Marvel specifically, they're going to keep their continuation. Like, they're not going to put that out of order. Oh, yeah. They have a release set in order of how they want things to release. So if the Eternals is ready for November, they may move the Eternals and just slide things back one release date around yeah. their schedule. And that was something well, just everything ask, moves yeah. a I date. think there's a potential, since you know we started the topic by talking about all the production delays that have occurred, even if something had a previously really, uh, announced release date, that doesn't mean it's making that release date now at the end of the year or at whatever point in 2021. So you might almost have the issue where like the schedule of pop culture just shifts six months. Yeah. Whatever was supposed yeah. to come out now is coming out in September. And whatever was supposed to come out in November is coming out in May. Yeah. Um, for Marvel specifically, something that uh, I was reminded of also recently was, uh, and I didn't, I, I should have presumed, but I didn't really think about the uh, production delay on Shang-Chi now, is um, even like before this happened, like, scott derrickson's exit off of dr strange oh yeah i like, forgot to talk about yeah sam raimi yeah, was rumored as a replacement that's not been confirmed that i know of like there's nope. nothing about production i've heard about that movie so if eternals for the most part is in the bag with principal photography say and they can work on post-production somehow like maybe you still get um black widow out sometime in august or september and let eternals come out in november but if not, if things are kind of back to normal enough, put Black Widow out in the fall. Put Eternals out in February or May. Obviously, Shang-Chi and uh, Doctor Strange have production issues now anyway, so those get pushed back to later in 2021. Like, you just... Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, like, I don't know what everyone's going to choose to do, but, I mean, you almost just, just shift the timeline down. Just move down the bench. Yeah, I'd be fine with yeah. that. And I, and I, I mean, like, you got to do what they got to do. I, whatever. And I think a, we don't know when this is all going to resolve. Right. That's the other. And, and and I think generally the same thing, like a quiet place and Milan, like, okay, maybe now we get those in July. Now we get those in August or September and Ghostbusters comes out at Christmas. Like who knows, but maybe that's what you do necessarily. You don't keep everything that's, you know, quote, in place at the end of the year there and figure out what other holes that the stuff you're delaying now can fit into. Just literally just shift it all down. Just And that's just the other it. option is if, if stuff at the end of the year does not move, then the stuff that got delayed now, we're, they're probably going to end up like doubling up stuff. You're just going to yeah. have weekends that are going to be jam-packed with stuff that everybody wants to see, which isn't, isn't going to help anybody. No, and, and since... No, yeah, it's going to cost one movie or the other or both of them a lot of their revenue. And maybe that's the only possible benefit is once you reach a situation like this when you're down to like three or four major studios they won't want to compete with each other yeah like well with themselves rather you if, if there were 20 different major studios that'd be one thing but if the same studio now has six movies it's delaying it's not going to want to jumble 
putting them all out within a month of each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think you're going to see a lot more coming to home mm-hmm. than getting a theater release during this time. How If it goes a long time, you're going to see it. Because, again, we don't know how long it's going to take. Yeah. But if we're into, say, middle of May, I think you're going to see, and, and it's still, and there's not like that light at the end of the tunnel. Say, we get to the middle of May, and we're still basically where we're at now. Mm-hmm. I, I would, or even just the beginning of May, get through another whole month and there's no, there's nothing there. I think you'll see a lot of movies that were maybe not going to have huge box offices just end up coming direct to home. Mm-hmm. And you'll see a lot of movies that would have big box offices holding back. Things like A Quiet Place, things like Black Widow, they're going to get their theater release. You know, the box office smashes that are going to make several hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. They're not going to send those to to rent at home because it's not going to make that money doing that. So not, so really I was actually point. really surprised that that Onward is going to hit that quickly. But I guess more that I guess it had its opening weekend. It didn't do good. They knew it was a, it was a sinking ship, and it's just like you know what? Let's just put it out there for people. Like hitting that Disney was, Plus yeah. like almost a month after release, I was like, "Holy shit!" Could be that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that surprised an, an incentive me. Incentive for anyone who's still holding out on Disney Plus to oh, true, yeah, yeah, sign up. Selling point yeah. for them. If you can't make it in the theater, make the subscriptions. Yeah, yeah. Well, you need stuff to watch. We've got it. You know. Yeah, because like, I was it, actually it, like, I was mad, a little bit upset that I didn't because between me recovering from surgery and then all this other shit that happened, I didn't get out to the theater to see Onward. I wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's going to yeah. hit in uh, next week on Disney+, Plus, I was like, holy shit, this is great. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the last time we had talked about movies before this show, you had mentioned like, oh, I'm going to go see Onward. And then like the next day, it's like, Spoiler, nope, it's no, going to not. Disney+, Plus on the third. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and, and the only, and that not that they haven't entirely, but I don't, from what I've heard, other than The Mandalorian, there's been nothing of Disney Plus original content that has lit the world on fire. Clone Wars. Oh, the Clone Wars is kind of kicking yeah, it off. Okay, to an okay. extent. Oh, that's, that's helping. I'll give you that. But, like, Disney Plus. It's helping me. Other, the, the Mandalorian was lightning in a bottle, and they obviously planned it to be around that like they planned it for the launch of disney plus like that was the flagship thing so yeah i i would say that disney plus has not yet had a stranger things they've not had a um transcendence or like some of the stuff that's hit uh amazon prime right they did have one with mandalorian but they had the luxury of planning to coincide the, the launch of the thing itself with the big program Right. With owning Star Wars and putting out exactly. <laughs> a Star Wars live-action television show for the first Correct. time. Correct. Um, so something like Onward is like, look, this is the first big new content that might get people talking again. So here's your renewed interest in, in Disney+. Plus. Well, and that's and that's the whole thing. Is some of these companies are going to start weighing. Like, the, like I said, the giant releases will be there, but they're going to weigh like... How much does it benefit us to hold on to this movie and enter a crowded market when all these movies finally do release? Because no matter what, you're going to end up with more crowding in movie releases at some point. Where there's going to be a couple months that are just crowded and you're going to say, is it worth releasing into the crowded market? How do we think it's going to fare versus releasing it at home? Mm -hmm. And for a lot of the smaller movies, 
they're going to say just release it at home. Yeah, I think the next six months are going to be pretty interesting as far as what's releasing where. Yeah. I think the majority of the list that I talked about as far as what's been delayed and, and release dates to be determined, all that stuff I think is destined for the theater. None of that stuff is going to hit just no, the straight big, to like, digital. Yeah, the big stuff is not going to come home. You're not going to see James Bond at home. You're not going to see Black yeah. Widow at home. A Quiet Place, Mulan, these are not coming home. We're talking about movies like The Hunt, like The Invisible Man. Um, Some stuff that I know that was coming up that I know has got delayed was like Annabellum. Yeah. Like horror movies or like your mid-level card movies. Comedies, drama, things that are going to make $150 or less at the box office in best case scenarios are probably going to be... Available at home, I would guess. Yeah, like the the, or at least there's a chance to see them. Things that are going to make five to eight hundred million or more, you're never going to see those at home. That before the theater, they haven't announced a a streaming date yet. But that new movie, uh, with uh, what's his name, Kanal Kajal, uh, the Lovebirds, Kamel, Kamel. Thank you. Oh, like that that has already been pulled from a theatrical release, and it's going to be on Netflix. That was already announced. Oh yep. really? Yeah, they have not given it. A... I think that was one where Netflix like bought it. Probably they, they, they probably bought out the distribution rights. Um, yeah. They haven't announced a date for it yet, but like some of that stuff with those like even like R-rated comedies or or like the, so, yeah, some yeah. mid-level thrillers and whatnot. Yeah, probably. Now, see, I'll be honest. That was one I was going to see with the subscription to AMC. I was going to go see that movie. Mm-hmm. We would have too. Yeah. 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 Um, all right, anything else to add? Because I think we've obviously gone longer than I expected for this also. Big surprise. That's that's all right. <laughs> yeah. So we'll wind no, it down. Anything really. else? No, I think we give people a lot to think about and, and definitely do us all the favor. I mean, let's all engage. Hop on the, the show's communication channels much more than we've ever done in the past. Let's start talking. Facebook comments, Twitter streams, send those emails to... Bry guy and his super friends that Brian will never check. Actually, let's let's do that one thing. Every every single person, all nine of you, send a message. <laughs> let's flood that email box like never before. I, I will keep it open all month. <laughs> try to make sure I'm checking it. I feel like during this whole time, I was waiting for Josh to say Pokemans. <laughs> the way he was referring to all of this, <laughs> it just it, it was like. You almost sounded like my dad trying to explain this stuff for a second there. Like Uh, like in... uh, uh, Get get on all the the social things. uh, And and Logan Lucky when the guy's like, oh yeah, I know know the internet. I know all the Twitters. Yeah. (laughs) I I felt like you were going that route for a second there. You brought it back by the end of it. But where where you started at was like, oh boy. Sorry to disappoint. I know you don't social media a whole lot. Maybe that's a... uh, Maybe that's like an online... Like a bit persona i can adapt at various times actually sort of jumping off josh's thing now's the time actually he's right if you want to engage with us uh we're all stuck inside hit us up on the facebook on the on the twitters yeah um even hell if you want to start giving us questions like we can do this again and give us something to talk about we're all while we're all stuck inside see where we go from there that'll work we have lots of time to record lots of shows tell us what you're what you're watching what's passing the time for you what's keeping you occupied keeping your sanity um. Yeah, we've we've got a lot to hopefully talk about. Hopefully, we can do this again quickly. Um. So I'll do the normal spiel. If you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five star rating and review. 
Uh, you can give us a share on social media. Uh, follow, subscribe, keep up with the show on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor. We are there. Anchor gives you a couple other links, but uh, those are the main places. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Search Bry Guy Super Friends. Go to facebook.com slash Bry Guy Super Friends. Uh, you can send us questions, comments, topic suggestions. Again, give us some questions. Tell us what you're watching. Keep keeping the time going with uh, any of those places. Uh, again, try to email us at or yeah, brightguysuperfriends at gmail.com. Um, that's the one I probably won't check, but you can try it. We'll we'll get there if we can. Uh, tweet us at bg superfriends on Twitter. That will work. And on behalf of Josh, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Stay safe, everybody.